It's the Shegulola Salami Show. It's a podcast show set in a virtue cafe. If this is your first time listening to the show, I'm Shegulola Salami. I'm an author. I write children's books. I am a blogger just because I need an avenue to write all the crazy things that go on in my head. And what else do I do? I'm, I'm based in the UK. I'm a mother of one. I'm a drinker of hot chocolate. And I host and produce my podcast, The Shigilola Salami Show. It's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. It's about books and publishing, but probably not the way you imagine. Um, so I have authors and non-authors come on the show. Um, the authors in the show who, you know, I would say eight out of 10 times the guests on the show are authors. So the authors on the show, they talk about the process behind publishing their book or writing the book or, you know, just showing, sharing how the book, you know, would be beneficial to people who want to read the book or they share their expertise in one way or the other. And those who are non-authors, they talk about their personal expertise in whatever field it is that they do. And they recommend, you know, a book for further reading. Um, so that's kind of like what you would expect from the show today. And like I said, it is set in a virtue cafe. So think about it, you know, you're in your regular, you know, let's say you go to Starbucks and, you know, you meet someone there and you then start having a conversation about books whilst drinking your, you know, your whatever drink you would have in Starbucks. So that's kind of like what the show is like. So um, it's, not so sunny today in London, and I always seem to talk about the weather in London because I love the sun, right? And I don't get enough of it in London. So that's why I always seem to be gloomy and chatting about the sun. But yes, the, the sun has disappeared, and I'm really sad about that. Anywho, who have I got in the cafe with me today? Hopefully someone really excited. We can have a laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hello. Um, you have with you today uh, Baby Mountain Flower Bear, which is my, uh, my pen name. And I wrote a uh, what I think is a... Um, a very emotionally driven uh, book recently that I uh, that I really hope can um, people can relate to. Um, I, I wrote a, a very intense um, 96 page book. I wrote it in five days. Uh, it was a book that was um, living in my head for my entire life. I'm, I'm almost 50 years old now, um, and I just I couldn't keep on living that book. Uh, I was living in it every single day. Uh, the book is titled Jew Boy, and it's how I overcame drugs, porn. Uh, I'm going off the top of my head here. Drugs, porn, suicide, um, abuse, a bunch of other things, and, and I wound up retiring from the U.S. Navy. Um, that's pretty much the cover of the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm good friends with my publisher. He, he, I want to preface this with I didn't choose the wording on the front of the book. Um, I don't feel that I actually overcame anything. Uh, I don't think any of us ever actually overcome uh, anything. We, we learn how to um, we learn how to survive with what we've experienced, and, yeah. and that's what I really want to get across with the book um, is that um, is that I feel that um, we are all survivors in our own way, and none of us are actually alone. Yeah, yeah. So your pen name sounds it brings a smile to my face. How did you choose it? Uh, so. Baby Mountain Flower Bear. Uh, I never met my my biological father, um, and, and I know you write children's books, and this is an incredibly adult uh, level book. Um, I, I never met my father. Um, my mother's first husband. Um, the, he had a very open relationship. You have to remember, I was born in the, uh, or keep in mind rather that I was born in the in the United States hippie um, time frame. Uh, the, end, the end of the Vietnam War 
it was free love. Um, my, my mother's was, my mother was 14 when she met the man that she married. He was in his mid twenties. Uh, he was her piano teacher. Um, he was a, a Harvard student and, uh, and he, he was the, the ultimate hippie man hmm. and uh, took my teenage mother away to a hippie commune um, where she had slept with a few of his friends. And that's, that's where I resulted from. Wow. Uh, but their, their hippie names were mountain bear and flower bear. And so when I was writing this book, uh, I, I chose to combine those two names as my pen name because that's really the, um, the only existence that I have from the starting point. Hmm, that's quite interesting. Okay, so, you know, we were talking about it before we started the show that how, you know, in a few of the previous episodes, no one order, orders anything in a, in a virtual cafe. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm not rude because this is how, you know, we start having this most amazing conversation, right? And we forget, you know, our drinks. And I, I feel like I'm then being rude because I don't offer you anything. So what would you like to drink virtually? I would really enjoy a virtual, tall, black coffee with just a couple ice cubes in it, please. Per perfect. And do you like any pastries, cookies, uh, munchies? What would you like to go with that? You know, just some, just, uh, um, just some toast. Perfect. Toast. Yeah. Toast is good. My daughter likes toast as well. When I was pregnant with her, and I think it's probably because of this, she's, you know, she likes toast. Like for some reason at 2 a.m., I don't know what it was or why it happened, but for some reason at 2 a.m. I had to have scrambled egg and toast and hot chocolate for the last That sounds delicious. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, I would, I would have the same. Actually, I'll order the same right now at this virtual cafe. That sounds, that sounds amazing. I know, right? Scrambled egg is like the bee's knees. It's like the best thing in sliced bread, right? Like, and having scrambled egg with, you know, butter not margarine having it with butter on toast with hot chocolate <sighs> like words cannot explain it no that sounds like uh certainly like comfort food which is uh something i'm a big fan of <laughs> yes right and seriously whilst i was pregnant the last month before my daughter was born that was every night at 2 a.m i don't know why 2 a.m but i just had to have that uh, and so now her favorite food as well is hot chocolate scrambled egg and toasty Perfect. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I will get you your virtual, your, your virtual comfort food. So yes, please <laughs> do you continue. Tell me about your book. It took you five days to write it. Did you say that's amazing? I, I, I did. I wrote it in a, in a three day weekend and in a two day weekend. Um, and like I said, I, I had been living the story. Uh, we all live our own personal stories and, and mine had been in uh, Mine had already been in book format, just always in my head and never on paper. And I had attempted to write this book when I was much younger um, because it's, it's been something that I've been suffering through uh, for quite some time, obviously. Uh, but anyway, I tried writing this book when I was much younger and I, and I couldn't put it together only because there wasn't enough substance uh, toward the end. Mm -hmm. um, now that I'm much older, I was able to uh, formulate um, some real lessons that I think people can walk away from. Um, particularly is, uh, you know, letting go of, letting go of any kind of, of, of self ridicule and, and putting yourself down for, for issues that you didn't really create on your own, um, and how to forgive those that, that may have caused those problems or even forgiving yourself for letting yourself become a victim for so many years. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I think it's important to be able to not only just move on, but I think it's also important to be able to um, to let go in a way that you're actually discussing your issues that other people can can relate to. Yeah. So when I talk about suicide, people, I, I can't say everyone's all, you know, everyone's been depressed at some point, but uh, quite a few people have been depressed at some point in their lives. Um, I just happen to be depressed most of the time, even though I'm, I'm very happy and I have a great life. Um, I, I still, uh, I still wrestle with, with daily depression. Um, and it might have been the way I was raised. It may have been the experiences that I've had. Uh, it may be a combination of a whole lot of things, but the important thing is, uh, is that I keep moving forward. Um, and, and I, I really hope that's what people walk away with when they read the book is that, is that no one will ever have all the answers to the problems. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's how we put um, our, our life forward one day at a time to be able to get to where we want to be. And all I ever want to be is just happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to digress a little bit, can you um, just talk us through about sort of maybe in like a couple of sentences or in one minute, so, you know, really short snippet, you know, just sort of talk about what depression is, because I find that a lot of people still don't understand depression. Like sometimes some people might say, oh, but you're just sad, but then we're all sad, you know, and then sometimes you read, well, you know, depression is like when you've been sad for a really, really long time. Like, how did you know that you were depressed? Like, did you get diagnosed with depression? Like, just let us know a little bit more about depression so that if anything, at least someone has taken that away from listening to you. Yeah. So I would say I was depressed my whole life. I wasn't diagnosed until just a few years ago. Um, I was, I was abused as a young child. Uh, I was neglected as a young child and I was the, the oldest of four and the only one that wasn't from my, um, my stepfather. Um, he, he raised the other three. And I was very much kept on the outside, especially when I found out that he wasn't my father. Um, my, to back up a little bit, my mother left her first husband when I was only months old. Um, I, left, I lived with her parents for a few years. And um, she met another man who was nothing like her first husband. And he was not very accepting of me. And then after he had his own children with her, uh, I was completely um, shunned from, from any kind of experience uh, of you know, their fun and their time together. Yeah. Uh, I was on the outside of that. So I, I think that may have been the, the springboard to fall into depression, mm. uh, which I later dealt with, with, you know, drugs, um, or primarily drugs. Um, but I didn't know it was depression then. You don't, you know, as you're growing up as a child, you don't realize that, you know, you're depressed. Um, you don't really, I well, I can't speak for everyone, but I, for myself, I didn't realize I was actually depressed until I was in my late forties and I was, um, having suicidal thoughts. Um, and, and I was in a place in, in my life where I was, you know, marginally successful, um, to compared to a lot of people. I, I had a full, um, military career that I was retiring from. Um, I, I had a lot going for me. I was, a um, towards the end of my military career, I was a professional in, in professional development and leadership development. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had a connection with these people and I found myself as I'm telling stories and going through things and, and getting my students involved in what I was talking about, I was breaking down uh, yeah. and actually, you know, talking through tears as I was trying to explain certain things about the way that we lead people and how we connect with people. And that's really when I started to realize that I may have depression. Uh, yeah. It was when I couldn't finish a conversation without, without falling into tears. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so what, what is it for everyone? For me, uh, the feeling of depression isn't so much not being able to get out of bed because I can. And it's not so much not being able to do things because I can. It's just the struggle involved in getting those things done. Um, yeah. And that's, that's really, for me, that's how it, that's how it um, has festered in, in a matter that, um, that I just have a hard time forcing myself to do things, even though I do them. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm very successful in getting things done. I have a great job now that I've retired from the Navy. I'm, I'm a professional development uh, expert with a, with a state, um, with a state agency. Uh, where I live, I'm responsible for you know making sure that the, almost a thousand people that work there are professionally growing. Yeah, um, and it's a I found myself in this place in spite of everything <laughs> that I've done to myself and been. And I think that's also um, something I try not to dwell on too much because it does bring me down. That I, I that I almost rob myself of all these opportunities. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's that's quite. It's quite an eye-opener, right? So I think the things that I've taken away is, it's not that you can't do something, it's just the struggle in doing it. Did I get that? That's, that's, a, that's the heart of it, yeah. It's, it's not that I don't want to or can't, it's just that I, I have to really force myself to. Yeah, that actually reminds me of a lady that I used to work with a long time. And, you know, she told me that she was depressed um, and she was sort of getting she was trying to keep it under control. And one of the things that she said that helped her was that every time someone invited her to go somewhere or to do something, it doesn't matter who the person is, where it is, that it, even though it takes her, it's, she, even though she instinctively just wants to say no, she made a conscious effort to always accept to go to somewhere whenever someone asks her to go or to meet up, to socialize. Yeah, but I don't have that issue. Like, I'm actually a very social person. Um, I'm actually very outgoing. I'm, I'm not really within myself. It's, um, I almost have like the, the whole comedian syndrome, you know, uh, people who deal with their depression in a way that they make other people laugh. Yeah. Uh, that's, I draw energy from, from people around me. And that's how I, uh, that's honestly how I really deal with it is the fact that I think most people who get into, um, positions in life where they find themselves either entertaining other people or inspiring other people. Mm -hmm. uh, generally those people have a lot of baggage. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly among them. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's where, um, that that's why you can't really, I think that's why people have a hard time actually putting their finger on what is depression because yeah. it manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, and mine is just, um, when I'm by myself is when I'm having the hard time when I'm with other people, I draw from that energy and I actually feel, um, I feel, part of them you know I, I feel like I, I have a sense of belonging um, and it doesn't matter who that group is it doesn't matter where that group's located I just feel like I have this connection to people so I think everyone everyone's been hurt um, yeah and everyone has, has dealt with some kind of pain and I, and I think when you when you realize that on a level that your pain is only what you experience it's not to a greater or lesser degree of what anyone else experiences it's, it's your it's your pain yeah. You know, no one else a level or a number on that. And, and I think that when we, when we reach out and realize there's, there's this connection, uh, regardless of what our story is, I just have to put my story in a book. Um, but other people have, you know, to a greater degree, much worse stories than I do. 
Um, but mm. there's still a connection because we still have we still have that same shared sense of of emotional damage. Yeah. So. I feel so weird talking about this really heavy topic with someone who writes children's books. <laughs> <laughs> well, the podcast is different to my children's books, right? Um, yeah. You know, so I think because I wear so many hats, like, you know, so sometimes, you know, it's like you have to then just sort of be able to think, you know, because one minute I'm a mother, one minute I'm a children's author, one minute I'm a freelance writer, one minute I'm not just a freelance writer, I'm a medical writer, one minute I'm a podcaster. Like, I literally have so many hats on. And, you know, that's why sometimes I have people ask me, like, how do you do all these different things? But I'm like, you know what, I've got to put, I've got to put food on the table for my child, right? So I need to have excellent time management skills, right? So I tend to do so, please don't, well, I wear so many different hats. And I think one of the reasons why I enjoy, and I've been running this virtue cafe for three years and running now is because I think, or I feel that it gives people the opportunity to share a message out there that could be or would be useful to someone listening to it because so if not anything even if i'm the only one who listens to you talk today at least i've taken something away from it which i think is a positive right i i would hope so <laughs> yeah so I, I think yeah. it's a positive because i've learned something new um you know or it sort of helped enhance my understanding of depression i've learned about your book and i'm hoping that anybody who listens to the show can also take something that they can relate to. So yes, I've got the hat as you know a children's author, but whilst you're talking to me right now, I am not a children's author. I'm, I'm Shegulala Salami, host and producer of the Shegulala Salami show. And then another time, I'm something else. Sure, but the most important thing is that you and I are both humans. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really um, why I, I know I joked, you know, a little while ago, but in all seriousness, we still have that connection, regardless of what it is that we do with our daily lives. Um, and I really appreciate your time today. But I also want to say that this book really has nothing to do with religion. Uh, I am not Jewish, I don't think. I could be. Um, oh, really? The, yeah, the, the actual, the, the title for the book um, really came from an attempt from my, step, from my stepfather to uh, publicly humiliate me. And he would write, um, so long story short, my, my stepfather had one friend. This is in the book, by the way. But my, my stepfather had one friend, literally only one friend. The guy wasn't a very nice guy. Mm. And his friend's father misunderstood my real first name. And my, it became a joke that it was suddenly Jew boy. And wow. so in an attempt to humiliate me, my, my stepdad would write Jew boy on every lunch bag that I would carry to school every day, which is why the cover of the book is a lunch bag with Jew boy written on it. Um, it was just, he was constantly in an attempt to, to um, absolutely humiliate me. Um, he, was, he was very racist. He was very aggressive. Uh, I, I had a deep um, rage toward this man um, for many, many years. It took me a very long time to forgive him. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's really the, the whole key of this is to understand that it's so important to forgive um, people who have, who have wronged you because you can't let go until you're able to do that. And yeah. There's so many you know, and I'm not telling anything, I don't think anything earth shattering or new to anyone, but it's certainly, it's, it's worth repeating enough times that people you know, hopefully will finally understand that um, without that sense of forgiveness, you, you really cannot move on. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, um, and it's unfortunate. I mean, that you have to be in a position to, to either, you know, accept the apology you will never get or, um, or, you know, just realize that you, you have to forgive, you have to forgive. 
Yeah. Um, no, of course. No sense of having that raise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. I just want to make sure that the book's clear and that uh, the, the story itself is is not about uh, anything more than than truly someone's survival from a very um, painful, rough upbringing. Who I did I tried treating with drugs. I tried treating with alcohol. Uh, I almost tried treating with suicide. And throughout all of that, what I learned most is uh, is that when you reach those points in your life where you have an opportunity to ask for help is to not walk away from that feeling and to actually reach out and, and, and ask for that assistance. Um, you know, I, each time that I've fallen to that point, I've, I'm the one who sought the help. Um, yeah. and no one had to ask for it for me. So I had to, um, I signed myself into a, a suicide intervention program. Um, I'm the one who sought mental health treatment two years ago when I started having suicidal ideology. Um, and, and it really takes a, a strong sense of survival to want to do that. Um, but what I hope from the, that people get from the book too, is that, that that strong sense of survival is in all of us. It's just a matter of us wanting to utilize it in a way that's going to benefit us later on to take those chances. Um, yeah. And those, those chances for me paid off very well. Um, but again, I'm still struggling. I'm still on medication and I'm still receiving treatment. Um, but at the same time, you know, really that's, that's what helped write this book. This book was very cathartic, <laughs> you know, to finally get it out of my head after all these years and put it on paper. Um, even if no one reads it and right now it has zero stars and no reviews, <laughs> Oh wow! Okay. But, but you know, it only went, you know, it only went on sale March 29th. So, you know, I guess, um, whatever. But anyway, um, even if the book never sells, it's out of my head. Yeah. And that's, that's such a strong sense. And each day I wake up and it's like, should I do a follow up and write another one about what it's like to, to write a book and have no one read it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's but try maybe, to make sure that nothing like that happens, right? Let's try. To <laughs> get yeah. But I, you know, I, I appreciate you finding me on Reddit. Um, cause, uh, actually I found you on Reddit. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that's where yeah, that's where I found how I found to contact you. Fabulous! It's nice um, because I put stuff there, and it's like sometimes it's really hard for me to keep track of what is working and what is not working. So yay to Reddit! So you yeah, know, I so, found you on. Uh, I wrote a book. I think is what the uh, subreddit is. I think that's where I found you. It was either ah. that or, or authors. I don't remember. Um, but either way, I, I found your name and I saw what you do, and uh, I was very interested in, in being on your show. Um, because if nothing else, even if people don't read the book, at least I had an opportunity to also um, talk live with someone who, who can maybe um, help someone else understand there's life on the other side of, of depression. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, so I'm going to do, I'm going to do two things, right? So, and I have baby brain, like seriously, right? Like I start talking and then I go, what was I saying again, right? Um, anyways, <laughs> okay, so first thing, if you're listening to this show, can you please, right, and this is me begging you, go and check out Mountain Bear. Did I get that correct? Maybe Mountain Flower Bear. <laughs> yeah, I have to open the chat because I need to. I can't even see your name. Where is it? It's a baby Mountain Flower Bear, right? Yes. Right. Yes. Baby my, so go, is your, is your book widely available? Uh, yeah, it's on, uh, it's on Amazon. It's on, um, I think it's on Goodreads. I know it's on Kindle. Okay. Um, I don't know where else it is. I know you can find it on Amazon. If you just do a search for uh, Jew Boy, okay. um, 
the one with the blue cover and it has a lunch bag on the front with Jew Boy on the on the lunch bag. <laughs> right. Okay. You just right. know that that's not a uh, it's it's not a funny book. It's a it's actually uh, hopefully I included some humor in there too. I did tell some funny stories, so hopefully those are those are worthwhile too. I think it's important okay. to also have a sense of humor. Okay, cool. So what was the title of the book again? Just remind me. Oh my goodness, I had to find it. All right, give me one second. I'm going to look it up here. <laughs> I, so again, I my, my publisher created the title in the book. And it was, here we go. So it's actually called Jew Boy, How I Overcame Beatings, Porn, Drugs, Alcohol, Suicide in High School to Retire from the U.S. Navy. No a Memoir of Survival by Baby Mountain Flower Baron. Okay. But so to, go on Amazon, go on Goodreads <laughs> and type in Baby Mountain Flower Baron because I'm not even going to remember the title of that book. That's just too long. Right? <laughs> yeah, again, I didn't come up with the title. Um, and I also don't feel that anyone ever actually overcomes anything again. I think that what we do is we, we, we learn how to deal with it and hopefully we learn how to actually communicate it so that it doesn't fester. Yeah. That's the important thing. So, yeah. okay. go, go for my book. <laughs> so first things first, please go on Amazon, go on Goodreads, wherever it is that you would normally buy a book from, go there and type in Baby Mountain Flower because I'm not even going to try and tell you the name because even the author doesn't know the name of his book, right? So we just know <laughs> that and just look for something with a blue cover, right? And no, a, a, lunch bag, a lunch bag with Jew Boy on it. Just do yes, that lunch bag with Jew Boy on it, please, okay? Because <laughs> he's got no reviews yet. You know, we want to sort of try and change that, you know, because he's it's taken him a lot to write this book down. So, you know, I think we can see if we can try and help him, you know, get someone to tell him, give honest feedback about what, you know, they think about the book. Um, or Mount Baby Mountain, if someone contacted you and said they would like a free copy of your book in exchange for a review, would you do that? Uh, of course I would, yes. Okay, so how can people contact you? Um, so my Gmail address is uh, babymountainflowerbear at gmail.com. Um, again, that's babymountainflowerbear at gmail.com. All one uh, word. Yes, and my Reddit account is um, babymfbear. Um, so that's my username on Reddit. Okay. Fabulous. Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? I am on, I'm on Twitter. And that again is Baby Mountain Flower Bear. Um, and I'm not on Facebook with this name because um, I chose to, uh, there's a, I chose a pen name because I, I didn't include anyone's real names in the book because all these people are still alive with the exception of my grandparents and possibly my biological father. Everyone yeah. else is still alive. You can create um, a Facebook page, right? So, because I can yeah. tag pages but i can't tag profiles so i always ask people to have a facebook page so go create a facebook page i will do that baby mountain flower bear so by the time hopefully by the time you're listening to this he's created a facebook page so if you need to contact him you can do it on there okay i'll that's, do that that's the first thing yeah go and you know help support this you know young man in getting his book and getting some reviews okay then that's the, that's the first thing. So the second thing that I'm going to say, because when you were saying this thing, you know, it then brings up some memories of conversations that I've had with people, you know, over the course of time, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now. And when I was in my twenties, I don't want to say that I was clueless, but there were a lot of things about life that I didn't understand. Right. So I remember maybe, let me see, maybe 10 years ago, give or take, um, I asked a doctor a question and I think the question I asked this doctor is probably a question a lot of people have asked or they've thought about, right? Like in London, we get a lot of people, and this is really bad, maybe not only in London, but you know, in the UK, we have people who 
they commit suicide by jumping on the train tracks, right? At just before the train approaches, right? And mm. Londoners, Londoners can be very brutal, right? We go, <laughs> oh my God, how selfish can this person be, right? Like, why didn't you just kill yourself at home? Why do you have to make life difficult for all the other commuters who've got to get home, get and feed their children, you know, do things? And nurseries in the UK, right? You know, if you're late, they charge you one pound a minute. Well, at least in London. I don't know about outside of London, right? So you can imagine a parent is trying to get home to go and pick up their child from nursery, but then there are no trains to get home because someone's killed themselves, right? And yeah. So a lot, a lot of Londoners, I think I say Londoners because I'm a Londoner, right? So I'm not speaking for every Londoner, but, you know, I know that I've had a few people say, you know, why would this person be so selfish to disrupt everyone else's life, right? Um, so this then brings me back to my conversation. I met a doctor once, and so I asked this, it was a lady doctor, and I said, why do people, let me try to see how I asked the question. So I said, people want to die, right? They want to kill themselves. They're tired of, the, of life, right? So why do you have to help them to keep living even when they're trying to end it, right? So that was my question. And it was a genuine question. I wasn't being cheeky or anything. I literally just wanted to know because I think sometimes people are afraid to ask questions because people get brutal responses in return rather than an actual educational reply, right? And this doctor, wherever she may be, God bless her, because she gave me an answer that I felt changed my thinking process, right? And I felt that her answer made me to have a little bit more empathy. So the reply she gave to me was that when people are doing that, it means that they're seeking help. It's a cry for help that they've probably reached that point where they think that they can't deal with it anymore, that there isn't anybody to support them or whatever it is, right? It's just a cry for help and they're looking for support. And so when people reach that point and, you know, they're coming into hospital, that's when obviously it just means that the people who are closest to them have not been able to spot that this person is trying to cry out for help. Um, and so they then, you know, try and put things in place to make that person know at least that they're not alone. So I thought that that was a really powerful message. And obviously I was in my early twenties at the time. And I think it helped me to have a bit more empathy. So when I see people going through stuff now, I would be able to say, you know what, right? If you need to talk to someone, I'm always there. And then a few years ago, I had a friend, you know, um, who we were having a conversation and then he said to me, oh, but I told you that I was suicidal, right? And I felt really bad because we probably did have that conversation, but I probably wasn't listening to him. Yeah. Right? And I imagine that if I was not listening to him, other people were not listening. So I'm just trying to say that sometimes people would start to reach out and I can imagine that if... Thankfully, you know, he didn't go that far, but it would, you know, but, you know, I've also been guilty because that's one of the things that a doctor said, right? That sometimes they're trying to reach out and talk to the people that are closest to them, but we don't really see the signs. Um, so, yeah, so we all get caught up, you know, and I do know someone who has actually jumped into a river and who was slashed his wrist and who was done you know, so many things. So, you know, one of the things that I try to do, no matter how busy I am, no matter how 
crazy life since and my life is not perfect by you know by any short at all i think my life is really crazy right but i try to be say you know if somebody needs to listen i'm there to listen to that person you know if you need to call me just sort of say you know i need to talk to you right now and just sort of be a bit more forceful so that i can listen because hey i've got a four-year-old child life is crazy right so i i try to do that so if you're going to take any weight thing away from listening to me and Mountain Bear, just sort of hopefully you may want to, if you don't already do this, just know that sometimes people are talking to you and we get caught up in our own lives and we don't see the signs. So if you know anyone or just send a message to all your friends and say, how are you doing? How are you really doing, right? Don't just give, there's the scripted answer of, oh, yes, I'm fine. And I know I give the scripted answers as well, right? And I'm like, yeah, we're fine, you know, we're good. Just go and say, you know, yes, I know, but what's going on? And just giving people that opportunity to tell you what's going on or give, make yourself open that people can ask you for help if they need it. That's yeah. just the anesthetic second thing I was going to say. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. It's, um, sometimes it's a little more subtle um in that my asking for help in the past uh, didn't manifest itself in any kind of a verbal cue mm. or um it, it really if i was to and i hate to say it like this but if i were to kill myself i don't think anyone would have ever guessed that was going to happen um there are friends who've read my book who had no idea that this was my life um that i've known for for years decades <clears throat> who just didn't realize that this was the, um, this was the private life that I held behind. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that if, if people don't ask, yeah, people won't, some people won't talk. Some people will definitely let you know people on people on Facebook all the time. Like I can't deal with this anymore. You know, you see these posts and, and hopefully people are reaching out to these people. Um, but other people don't do that. Like I never talk about when something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's, well, I'm getting past that now um, because I've, I've come so close to not being here uh, that I've, I've found that it's, you know, I, I have a sense of survival, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's but some people, some people don't, they just don't have that. And I, and I think if they do have that and they're unwilling to talk about it, I mean, uh, I, I hate bringing up Robin Williams as a, as an example, but I don't think anyone in a, you know, anyone who was a fan really realized that he was going to do that. Um, just because he never, to? uh, Robin Williams, the, uh, oh, the comedian, Miss okay. yes, yes. Doubtfire. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, no one, I mean, when you think about someone like him, no, I don't think anyone would have ever imagined he was going to do that Yeah. <clears throat> because he didn't really, he never really expressed that. Um, and millions of people knew who he was, you know, mm. but millions and millions of people. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's such a weird topic to try to, to pick apart because there's just so many ways yeah um, but you know i'm just i'm just one one small sample of so many and and hopefully people can relate i hope yeah and then the thing you said about facebook it reminded me of something really really horrific that happened um you know so i'm not very active on facebook but i still have a facebook account so one day you know i'd logged in after a while and i was just going through my timeline just reading all the random stuff that was there and then I saw someone put a comment, you know, about, oh, yes, he wants to pay someone 2,000 um, pounds to watch him kill himself, right? 
And it was a reply to someone else that had posted something on my timeline, right? And so I thought, oh, like, why would someone make such an expensive joke, right? So I didn't go and I sent this random stranger a message, you know, and I seriously thinking back, I thought I was, I felt stupid for doing that. But, you know, because again, like I said, I've met, I know people who are going through, you know, difficult times. And I know that a couple of friends, you know, have had, you know, not very good times. Anyway, so I send a message to this guy and I say, oh, hey, you know, was that a joke that you were trying to do? Because that was not really a nice joke, you know, to make. And then he goes, no, I'm really serious. I want to pay someone 2,000 pounds, you know, to watch me kill myself. And I'm like, well, I don't know what you're going through, but, you know, I can assure you, right? Maybe, again, I realized that it, I was way out of my depth, right? It was not my place to even have that type of conversation with anyone. And looking back, I don't think I would do that again, but I'll just tell you what happened. You know, anyway, so I was having back and forth with this, you know, guy trying to say, you know what, there's a lot of support in the UK. You know, maybe you want to go to this charity or speak to that charity because, you know, there are these, all these different, you know, charities and organizations that can actually, you know, help you out. And he had a gambling addiction. Mm. Um, anyway, so this stranger then starts trying to video call me on Facebook. And I'm like, I don't know you, right? Why are you trying to video call me that? You know, and I said, I'm not, I, I'm busy, so I can't, you know, talk. And then he goes, oh, no, I don't want to talk to you. I just want you to watch me kill myself, right? And I thought, what have I gotten myself into, right? So I was yeah. freaking out. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I didn't call my friend because I think, you know, my friend has, he's quite sensible in times of, you know, me thinking of, you know, I was feeling quite stupid. Like I didn't know what to do. So I called my friend. So he then goes, right, you know what you need to do? hang up the phone right now and call the police. Right. So yeah. that was what I did. Right. And so they were then talking through. So I called, I tried to do the non-emergency line. There was like leave a message or something. So I then called the emergency line and then they said, Oh, that's very, you know, not usual. Um, and then, so they took the details down. And then I think in the UK, there's something where even if you don't give like emergency services, your address, they actually have your address when you make a call anyway. So they told me to use that on Facebook. There's a feature to notify Facebook of yeah. someone who is trying to kill themselves or who made such a comment. I didn't know this before. Right. So thumbs up to Facebook for having this feature, whether they did something about it, I don't know, but I know mm -hmm. that I did, you know, after having this conversation with the police, I then used that Facebook feature to notify Facebook that, Hey, you know, there's this person who's trying to kill himself. So if you ever, if you ever see a comment by someone who is trying to do this, there is actually a, fa a, a feature on Facebook. And I think it's part of the report comment or report person or whatever. And it gives you the different options that you can use. And, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, I reported it. And then the next day for the first time in my life, the police were on my door and they were like, oh, we're looking for this person. I'm like, no, the person doesn't live here. Right. <laughs> um, and so we came and then I had to tell them all over again what happened. And then they looked through it and then go, all right, they're going to go and have to look through their database to see if he's ever reported um, such a situation or see if they can track down who this person is. Unfortunately, I didn't get any feedback. Um, but yeah, that was something really scary that happened to me. Right. So now I know better and I would never engage because I don't think I'm skilled enough to do that, but I would, you know, report it to the appropriate authorities if I ever did see, um, something, but you know, we're digressing and going into really, really deep stuff. Um, but again, I guess that's the beauty of the show. Cause obviously it's like, you know, it's the kind of conversation I imagine you would have with a friend if you were in a cafe, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, of course. Yes, we would. We would be having this conversation. This has actually been a really great conversation to have. Um, yes. And I didn't know about that feature on Facebook, so I'm glad you pointed that out. That's really important. Um, yeah. One more thing I would like to add about, about my book is that uh, if I do end up selling um, this book, um, my, my intent is to donate uh, a large portion of the proceeds to a, uh, a specific um, nonprofit. It's called Valkyrie's Haven. Okay. Um, it's a nonprofit for um, battered and homeless um, U.S. Navy, or excuse me, U.S. military um, female veterans. Um, I think that's a, it's a noble cause, and a friend of mine is actually starting this as a, as a new startup. Okay. Um, so that's really my ultimate goal, um, if it does sell. So. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Let's see, right? Can can the, the listeners of the Shagilola Salami Show help you know Baby Mountain Flower Bear, right? That would be awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, so. Yes, and then you can get you know because the thing is one of the things about books is that you know I think coming on the show has been quite good because a lot of the things that we've talked about today you could not put them enough on pen and paper and the synopsis or any of those things to really tell people the story behind the book. And that's one of the things why I like guests coming on because then we can, you can sort of get behind the scenes, you know, about the book. And, you know, it's what, when I'm hoping when anyone listens to this, they might think, oh, you know what, that's really quite interesting. I will go and, you know, give the book a try um, and then, you know, sort of see what they think about the, the, the book. That would be great. Yes. Okay. That would be- That'd be, that'd be, that'd be really happy. I wouldn't be depressed that day. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed, right? Fingers crossed. Well, we can, we'll see what we can do, right? I may, I'm making new promises, um, but I will, I will tell everybody I know um, about, about your book. So that's, that's for sure. Um, Okay. So we're coming to that time of day where I have to actually kick you out of the cafe as enjoyable as chatting with you has been. And I have to kick everyone out of the cafe. It's not just you, right? I understand. This has been a great opportunity and a wonderful conversation. And I thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Um, Okay, let me see now. What five words of wisdom can you share with listeners of the show? Just for some, you know, I like to, like I say, I get baby brain, right? Um, So sometimes I like people to summarize things for me so that I can remember it. And we know that we're not going to remember the name of your book anyway. So so, five words. Five words. You not ready? five words or five sentences or just five bullets. Oh, five sentences. Okay. So I actually came up with a five word sentence. And that five word sentence was never be afraid to talk. That's a good one. That's, that's really the, the root of my book is not being afraid to talk. Yeah. Um, and I think if I was to put that in five sentences for people to walk away with, um, when you are in pain and fearful for your own life at your own hands, don't be afraid to talk when you are um, dealing with with emotions that you don't understand or can't or can't explain don't be afraid to talk um, you know there's there's all these opportunities for us to actually let people know what's going on with us and if we're not doing that then we're only living in our own pain um, and there's no sense to do that unless you unless that's what makes you comfortable and if that's where you're comfortable at then it's probably time for you to talk yeah so that's that's really the the whole takeaway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, so this is really personal. I'm I'm still trying to think whether I should say it or not. Hmm. Okay. I'm thinking right. Okay. So you remember like how you said at the beginning, right, that after your stepdad had his own children, 
yeah you know he was he kind of like just shunned you and didn't really send you that sort of thing yeah the well so i thought he was my dad i met him when i was so young he came into my life when i was very very young yeah uh and i was i was less than three i think Mm. um i only ever knew him as dad that's what i called him um but when i came home one day and this is also in the book when i came home one day and found a, a bank statement, a bank book with my first name and my middle name and a different last name um, was when I questioned my mother. And I was very, very young at this time too, six or seven, maybe at the oldest. Hmm. Um, and she called him at work and was explaining to him that I had found the book and that uh, she was probably going to explain to him that I, um, that I wasn't his. And I don't know if I can curse on your show or not. No, please um, don't. All right. So, but anyway, she slammed the phone down and called him a horrible name and said, uh, he's not your father. So that's how I found out. And that's how we both found out that I knew. And since that time, he became very resentful of me. Um, and, and, I, and I talk about this story in very harsh language. It's very graphic. Um, but that's, that was really the turning point from when I realized that I was not going to be treated very well. Um, and, I, and I wasn't. Well, so, up until that point, had he treated you well, though? No, he didn't. He he didn't treat me. He didn't treat me very very good. Um, I know he had struck me at least one time that he would brag about. Um, mm. But um, but after after I found out that he wasn't my dad, um, and after mm. he realized that I knew, it, it became very very painful. Yeah, um, and that's where the nicknames came in. And that's where the bullying came in, and that's where the abuse came in. Um, and it, it lasted for my entire young life until I finally left home for the, for the final time. I'd run away a few times, but um, I, each time I've, I'd run away, I, I failed. I, I found myself back at that house, and it was absolutely horrible. Mm. Uh, each time it only got worse. Um, yeah. So you know, so when I finally realized, when I finally got the courage to go join the, the military, which is something that he was trying to drive me to do my entire life, and I was I was very I outright refused to because I didn't want to turn into him. Mm. Um, but I finally, I finally did because I didn't feel I had any other choices. Yeah. Okay. And it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. Um, it got me away from that environment. It, it gave me a whole new um, self, uh, you know, a level of self-respect. It gave me a future that I didn't think I was going to have. Um, and here I am today um, <clears throat> with, with a really great life. Um, and only because I decided to run away and, and my siblings um, are all a mess. Um, it's, uh, I was the only one to survive and, yeah. and they, he became so violent later on that he actually turned on his own children. Oh dear. Uh, it was bad. So, um, and there, my, it's a mess. My, my sister, um, she's a, she's an, uh, an alcoholic drug addict who still reaches out to random friends of mine on Facebook asking for money. Um, yeah. she's on, she's on state, um, support, uh, her, Boyfriend almost murdered her along with two other women. Um, she was the only survivor of a, of a almost triple homicide um, over a dog, of all things. Oh, um, realized he was actually stabbing his girlfriend until she was almost dead. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the life that I left. Yeah, um, was Which chaos. Um, one of the reasons why I was sort of coming back to it, right? Because I I know so right. I'm a <clears throat> it's just me and my daughter, right? So I've just, you know, I, I'm not married. I've not got a partner or anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes, sometimes when it's just me by myself with my thoughts alone, I always imagine, right, that if I was ever going to think about dating, what would it be like, right? 
And I can imagine a lot of single parents, a lot of single mothers, you know, probably one might be listening to the show and thinking, oh my God, this is this guy talking about their, her greatest fear, right? Because in my mind, what you've said actually has played out in my head a gazillion times. And then sometimes I always ask myself that, you know, is it even worth it? Might as well just grow up and just be a whole hag, you know, grow up to be an old hag for the rest of my life, right? Than put my daughter, you know, in a potentially difficult situation. Wow. So, yeah. So I have two stepchildren today. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try not to cry, but, uh, Oh dear, sorry. They've been in my life for um, they've been in my life for for almost um, going on ten years, and I never wanted to have children of my own because I didn't want to um, I, I didn't want to be him. Yeah. Uh, but what I've what I've discovered is that uh, the, the right the right combination you you can introduce a, a child to to someone who might not be their father, um, but as long as there's a connection, and the and you'll understand and you'll know. Um, that that when the that that man enters your life, um, I, I would say not just to you know, and obviously you haven't, but I would say not to jump into any relationship right away and to really get to know the person. Uh, my my wife and I did jump in. Um, I was married previously. I, I'm divorced, um, and I didn't want to have children with her at all. I never wanted to have children at all. Period. I was scared, um, but then I met. I met my wife and, and her two kids who were 11 and, and uh, almost 13 at the time. Um, and, and they've, they've grown in my life and, and uh, I, I'm everything I never thought I would be with them. Um, it's uh, yeah, I, I don't have all the answers and I can't tell you that, that anyone's, that everyone's going to be accepting of a child that's not theirs, but um, there are people out there who will. Yeah. That's what I was just literally going to say, right? That, I know, like, you know, that's why I just wanted to bring us, this is more for the listeners to just sort of bring back that as a single parent, you know, what you said, you know, sort of, it sort of lived out one of my greatest fears as a parent. And I imagine that if there were any single parents listening to this, it probably would have played out also their greatest fears, you know, as a parent, right? But then I know that I once connected online with another blogger who was a single parent and she met her husband who from the things she wrote, you know, um, about him was, has been really amazing, you know, towards her son. Um, and you know, when they, she talks about both of them, you would not even imagine that he's not her son's, um, biological father. So I was just trying to say, just like, you know, I've sort of addressed, you know, so from your point of view, I was then trying to address it from the single mother's point of view. So if you do know a single mother, right, even if she's not said this, this is something that has probably crossed her mind at one point or the other. And, you know, I just wanted to say that there are people out there, even though I haven't met one yet, but I'm optimistic and I know people who have done it, you know, who would also love your child because there are lots of human beings who are capable of love. And hopefully we would all find someone who can not just love you, but also love your child and treat them as theirs as well. And, you know, be everything good that you can imagine. Yeah. Just don't forget to take chances on people who've had wounds in the past. I know a lot of people shove those people aside being like that person has a lot of baggage and that person has a lot of damage, but some of us out there that do have a lot of baggage and damage are, are, are that way because we haven't been given the opportunity to, to demonstrate who we really are. Yes. And I think that's important. And I was, I'm so grateful to have been given that chance. Yeah. 
I, I'm really pleased for you too. And I'm sorry to that because I, I can, I could hear us though. I'm really sorry if I've made you cry. I'm sorry. Oh, you, you, it's not because I'm sad. Um, it's because I'm really happy. So, um, okay. Yeah, life, life, life really did turn out well for me. And, uh, and I thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about it. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're it's a been wonderful person. And I think, uh, I think you're going to find the right person for you. <laughs> yes. Right now, I just think to myself, I need to make money, right? Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, maybe my podcast will help you. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I'm just looking for money, right? I think once I have money, then the other things can fall in place, right? I think the yeah, world exactly. should not have money and be dependent on someone else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. uh, this was Bye. wonderful thank you <laughs> so very much I hope people actually listen to this <laughs> yes hopefully right um, hopefully. Well, anyways it's come to that time where I literally have to run and go and yes. pick up my little human from nursery right <laughs> okay. like, tell me of my little child has a gob right I don't know who she takes after wink wink and she'll go mommy you're late so yes let me not go and deal with that right now yeah it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you baby mountain flower bear and until <laughs> next time everyone i hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode and it is the shagulala salami show um if you know anyone um who's been touched by anything please do just remind them and tell them that there's someone out there you know who you, you and i'm referring to you that you love them and you're there for them and you're happy and willing to listen to them even if they call you at 3 a.m. in the morning trying to have a conversation with you. Well, until next time, it is the Shagilala Salami Show. Bye now.